Well, we are coming to the close of our seven-week series on prayer 2.0. We've walked through a lot of different kinds of prayer. We've walked through Lectio Divina, that kind of sacred reading where you take a text and you, and you read looking for what's shimmering in the text and what emotions that brings out of you and what God might be speaking to you about from that text. We talked about writing down prayers or drawing out your prayers. We talked about prayer walking, walking through the spaces of your life, mindful of how God is moving there and how God could move there. We talked about reciting prayers, that the prayers of those who've gone on before us can teach us, can speak words of wisdom into our situations. We talked about the examined prayer and that kind of reflection over our, our day that we've gone on already. How do we pray over what we've already done, what we've already thought, how we've already felt? And last week we talked about Ignatius's imaginative prayer of how do you put yourself into the story, a, a, a biblical story, particularly the Gospels, and imagine what's, what that scene was like, imagine what Jesus might say to you there, and imagine for yourselves a future. And so today we come to the end of the series and we close with silence. Now, I, this is my kind of last kind of plea about prayer as we get to the end of the series. Um, what I hope is that our sermon time is not just, well, that's nice to hear, um, but that it gives life to those who need life, that it changes things about the way you live, the way you pray, the way that you go on your faith journey. And so I hope that, you know, if, if, if maybe you haven't taken any of these other types of prayer on and tried it for yourself, we've got another week here. Um, maybe silence is for you. And so I, when I was thinking about silence, I was thinking about how interesting it is that music gives us rest, that it, it both gives us labels for the sounds, and that's what we usually focus on, what notes are played, but it also gives us rest. So it writes out silence into it. And I think that most musicians will let you know how important it is to rest properly, that you take your break, but you need to count the silence. Because if you're playing with a group of people and you count your silence differently, it's suddenly a little bit messy. And so maybe you come off tempo and distort the music and the beauty of, of what was being attempted. And too often in our own lives, we don't necessarily want to sit with the silence. We don't want to count the silence. But we jump from one thing to the other. And maybe we cut short our quiet time, our prayer time, our time of just sitting and resting with our Creator. So the question that I, I'm wrestling with today is, has anyone struggled with prayer and said to yourself, I just don't know what to say? Has that been an experience that you've had of, I just don't know what to say in prayer. I'd like to pray, I just, I don't know what I would say and I, I don't know what to talk about. You know, I think that's been a deterrent for a lot of people, but I don't think it needs to be a deterrent. So today's message has one purpose. I want you to know like deeply in your soul know that prayer in our spiritual lives are deeper than our words. 
and that silence has value and is a gift. So today we're talking about prayerful silence. And I get the irony of talking about silence. I, I didn't think people necessarily would appreciate uh, me getting up here and saying, all right, today's silence, so here's just 20-some minutes of silence. But what I do want to do, I want to talk about, I want to make a case for why silence matters. So we began our sermon series in the book of Psalms. I thought it would be uh, meaningful to return to Psalms in closing. And so there's two important things that the psalmist does in our text that I want to draw out. The first is, he, he describes in so many ways God's piercing personal knowledge. So God's knowledge is really emphasized. And here's that first half of this, this text that we read this morning. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high that I cannot attain it. That's a lot of knowledge. All-encompassing knowledge. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit, when I rise, my thoughts, my path, where I lie down, all my ways. You know what I'm going to say before I say it? You know me completely. And if that's the case, then all of you is known to God. Your whole being, your movements, your thoughts, your words, all are known. And not in that creepy Santa Claus way that we've put on kids. He knows what you've been doing. He knows what, when you're asleep and awake. Uh, it's not that judgmental knowledge. It's the creator who, who knows you, who cares for you, who wants to connect you with others and with God, who loves you, who inspires you, who wants you to know his presence. That, that creator who knows you completely and seeks to bring about an even greater future, not only for you, but for all. And I think, we sometimes don't think about it, if God knows everything, well, what am I doing in prayer? And that's part of that wrestling of, well, what do I say? An aspect of prayer is not actually just about revealing knowledge to God. God already knows your innermost desires. Sometimes we act like, if I don't pray, maybe God doesn't know what's going on in my life. So maybe you were short with somebody, maybe you, uh, you know, had a fight you shouldn't have had, or whatever it is, and you're like, oh, I'm going to hide from God for a little bit. Maybe if I don't pray with God, maybe God will just kind of ignore me, and, and he won't know what's going on. So when I'm embarrassed or ashamed of myself, I stop praying. And if I feel like uh, distancing myself from God, um, even though God fully knows our best days and our worst, like what? What is that impulse in us? And so I think that one thing that I hope that we learn is part of prayer is us learning about ourselves in conversation with God. That God knows your hearts and desires, but that, that doesn't mean you shouldn't at least voice those hearts and desires, you know, voice those things. But part of that voicing is you learning for yourself how you feel in your relationship with God and what's going on in your situation. And so 
uh, God is there as you are wrestling with God and as you are uh, hopeful with God. And so maybe we can just kind of diminish a little bit of like, it doesn't matter necessarily what I say. God already knows that intention. God, God can be there even when I don't know what to say. And I appreciate that the psalmist talks about that the level of knowledge of God is unfathomable. Sometimes our life situations are beyond words, and we don't know what to say. But that doesn't mean that our experience or that our feelings and our thoughts aren't known to our Creator. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, but not for God. But the psalmist doesn't only talk about knowledge. The psalmist also is, is celebrating God's presence. And so the psalm continues, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. We tend to treat God like God is more present in some spaces than others. There's the holy spots. Maybe that's church for you. Maybe that's a retreat location, a vacation home, wherever it is. And like God is just specially there. But if I go about in these other spaces, well, you know, I'm not as connected to God. Uh, but God is as present here in this church as God is in a prison cell. God, the liberating God, is at, at work here just as he is in places that are uh, fleeing dictators, places that are struggling to survive. God is as present on your best day, whatever you might consider your best day, your wedding day, the birth of a child, the day you started a new job, the day you met your best friend. God is as present on that day as God is on your worst days. The funerals, the layoffs from work, the ended relationships, the separations, the medical emergencies. God is there in the best of times and the worst. And so we might think of darkness a little bit like silence. The psalmist talked about even the darkness is not dark to you. Darkness and silence both seem like the absence of something. And so they're comparable. But the psalmist is proclaiming something radical. Even though I see darkness, darkness isn't darkness to God. The darkness can just be like a noonday light. And what is it to see darkness or to see absence or to not hear something and yet proclaim there is something, there is life, there is value, there is hope. And so a part of prayer is tapping into the spirit who breathes both life and light into the dark and empty spaces. I want to talk a little bit about sound and how sound works. We hear sound because it moves through spaces. It, it's, all it is is the vibrations. 
things in the world that are vibrating that we're able to perceive and our brain translates for us and we hear those vibrations. And so on earth, most, uh, most humans are able to hear because our ears are attuned to a certain frequency range. Certain vibration ranges can be heard by us. And the particles of air, what happens is when something vibrates, it vibrates against the, the molecules in the air. And those molecules expand and contract uh, according to that frequency and it bumps into the next air molecule and it keeps bumping out. And so all it is is this frequency of vibrations pushing against other things. And so, in theory, uh, space was thought to be completely silent. Because scientists would create vacuums and think about space and they're like, well, there's nothing for sound to bounce off of. So space is utter silence. And so that was predominant theory. Um, so even if we were in space and we could survive the pressure of space or things like that, we wouldn't hear anything. But scientists have learned a bit more and more about how the universe works. And while there's no air in space, there are some regions of space that have gases uh, where like the remnants of stars have collapsed and there's, there's things for sound and to, to, to move through. But even more, scientists have learned that the very fabric of the universe is held together by gravity, that force of attraction that draws us together. And it turns out that gravitational waves themselves can carry sound that vibrations move even in the gravity that draws all things together. And so, NASA has a SoundCloud account, which is a music platform, where they've translated the frequencies of space uh, that they've detected in different kinds of ways, and you can go on and listen to it. Now, they gave it a spooky name and released it around Halloween, but that's their interpretation of the sounds. But for example, you can go and listen to NASA, like 1.47 million people have listened to Stardust passing Comet Temple 1. Or another 1.71 million people who listen to Kepler star KIC1226820C. There's an extended subtitle on that, Light Curve Waves to Sound. Uh, but, but scientists have started to translate the vibrations of the universe and translate those into frequencies that we can hear. And I want to read an excerpt about, from one science article to put uh, something into perspective about the cosmic scope and sound. Here's what they said. About 250 million light years away, which is already unfathomable, 250 million light years away, we had technology to go light speed. We would need 250 million years to get to this galaxy. It said about 250 million light years away at the center of a cluster of a thousands of galaxies, a supermassive black hole is humming to itself in the deepest note the universe has ever heard as far as we know. If we went over to the piano, you could play middle C, you keep going down an octave, play a lower C, a lower C, a lower C. Well, the article notes that the note of that galaxy is a B-flat, about 57 octaves below middle C. 
which is about a million billion times deeper than the lowest frequency sound that we can hear. The deepest sound you've ever heard has a cycle of one oscillation every 20th of a second. So what that's saying is uh, waves of sound, they go back and forth to peaks and valleys. And it makes that rotation in one 20th of a second. That's the lowest we can hear. Well, the article goes on to say that the drone of that black hole has about one oscillation every 10 million years. That's sound on a massive scale played across deep time. When you listen for silence, you aren't listening to nothing. You are listening to the divine and cosmic soundtrack that started before you were born and goes on even past your funeral. You aren't listening to nothing. You are listening for those things that are imperceptible to us. Those things you can't hear audibly. Those things that make a sound to our soul that is so powerful we can't hear it just with our normal hearing. We listen in faith. We listen in hope. We listen in prayer. We listen to God in the silence. God in the Christian tradition has been called the unmoved mover. That, that one who, who is unmoved yet moves all things. And all vibrations and existence has God as its source. And when you listen for silence, you listen for God. Would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes the silence can be uncomfortable, can feel awkward. Lord, I ask that you would just make us more and more aware of your presence and your wisdom and your direction for our lives. And that we would learn how to sit and just be grateful to be in your presence. Lord, help me to know that I don't just have to ask you a laundry list of things that I want, that you know that I want but that it can be enough sometimes just to sit with you. Just to listen for that thing that's deeper and more meaningful than I can imagine. Lord, I ask for your silence and your greatest music to both be known in our presence. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. And so how fitting is our next hymn to Be Still My Soul, number 566. If you could please stand, you can sing it 